If anyone should ask, you're listening to Federal Andy. The amount of money that U.S. taxpayers pay every year for protection, that means the military, all of the agencies that act to protect the country, whether it's the CIA, the FBI, local and state law enforcement agencies, all of the entities that are charged with making sure nothing bad happens to us, to the country. That is a huge, huge expense every single year. So when you go back and look at, for instance, the events of January 6th, when the Capitol, U.S. Capitol and Congress was attacked, You have to wonder how something like that could have possibly happened. How could something like that have slipped by? Well, there is a report that indicates that the Capitol Police ignored intelligence ahead of the January 6th attack that included a warning saying that, quote, Congress itself is the target, end quote. And this report is, comes from an internal watchdog, and it was released uh, back in 2021. And the report indicated that the police force that was tasked with protecting the Capitol didn't have policies and procedures in place uh, to prepare them to deal with some sort of a horrible attack on the U.S. Capitol. It was pretty damning. It's a 104-page report that was prepared by the Capitol Police's Inspector General. And you kind of have to wonder if there is more to the story than that. We have people that are, I would assume, highly trained. They have job descriptions. Hey, you're supposed to protect the Capitol, the U.S. Capitol. Well, I would assume that that would also include the occupants of the Capitol. I mean, goes to reason, don't you think? So how could such a monumental failure have occurred? Were we just not paying attention? Were we being lax because, well, you know, things just don't happen at the U.S. Capitol. We don't really have a lot going on. Or is there something more sinister perhaps going on than just somebody failing to do their job or missing the boat, as they say. The boat has 
left the dock and has left the people in charge standing on the dock wondering what happened to the boat. Oops. So I'd like to talk about the failure on January the 6th. And there's some new information and some new thoughts that I would like to share with you as well. So if you're interested in that topic, stay tuned. Episode 188. Is Christopher Miller being investigated? So three days before the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, the intelligence unit of the Capitol Police received a warning that... uh, the supporters of Trump who believed Trump's false claims that the 2020 election had been stolen had made specific plans to target Congress on January the 6th and that they were actively promoting violence. According to the report, it said, quote, unlike previous post-election protests, the targets of the pro-Trump supporters are not necessarily the counter-protesters as they were previously, but rather Congress itself is the target on the 6th. The Inspector General's report went on to say, this is still a quote, stop the steel's propensity to attract white supremacists militia members and others who actively promote violence may lead to a significantly dangerous situation for law enforcement and the general public alike, end quote. Don't you think that that would warrant perhaps just a little more attention? And they had three days to do something. Three days. So, you know, you might think that the Capitol Police might want to, I don't know, bump that up to other authorities in the area. I mean, after all, if uh, they're targeting Congress, uh, maybe the Secret Service needs to be notified. Now, granted, Secret Service doesn't provide protection to members of Congress. I think that falls on the Capitol Police, but it seems to me that that type of a, of a warning, that type of intelligence needs to be spread out among everybody in government, right? You'd think so. How about making sure that the Secretary of Defense is aware that there might be something going on? seems to be kind of a reasonable thing. They're pretty high up in the protection arena for protecting the American people, which would include members of Congress, right? Well, at the time, the 
Secretary of Defense was an acting Secretary of Defense, which meant that the person occupying that position at that particular time hadn't gone through all of the procedures necessary in order for him or her to actually be the Secretary of Defense. And you might wonder how that all happened. Well, on November the 9th of 2020, a man by the name of Christopher Charles Miller, born on October 15, 1965, and a retired United States Army Special Forces Colonel, was made the acting Secretary of Defense. He was appointed to that role following the termination of Mark Esper. And, of course, he was appointed to that position by President Donald Trump, who was in his lame duck period at that point. So, the guy that was in the position of Secretary of Defense apparently did get the word that something was happening. The Capitol Police three days before the January 6th attack, learned that something could be happening and that the members of Congress were actually the targets at this point. Well, wouldn't you know it, the very next day, the Secretary of Defense, the acting Secretary of Defense, sent out a memorandum for Secretary of the Army, and it was dated January 4th, 2021. So it was the very next day. It was two days before the January 6th attack. The subject of this memorandum was Employment Guidance for the District of Columbia National Guard. And the memorandum says, quote, this memorandum responds to your January 4th, 2021 memorandum regarding the District of Columbia request for District of Columbia National Guard, DCNG, support in response to planned demonstrations from January 5th through 6th, 2021. You are authorized to approve the requested support subject to my guidance below and subject to consultation with the Army Gen with the Attorney General as required by Executive Order 11485, end quote. Okay, so apparently somebody at the District of Columbia um, asked for some guidance, I guess. They uh, apparently requested that the District of Columbia National Guard uh, be available to support them if something were to occur on the 5th and the 6th of January 2021. So, let me go on with the memorandum. It continues, quote, Without my subsequent personal authorization, the DCNG is not authorized the following. 
to be issued weapons, ammunition, bayonets, batons, or ballistic protection equipment such as helmets and body armor. To interact physically with protesters, except when necessary in self-defense or defense of others, consistent with the DCNG rules for the use of force. To employ any riot control agents. To share equipment with law enforcement agencies. To use intelligence, surveillance, and recognizance ISR assets or to conduct ISR or incident awareness and assessment activities, to employ helicopters or any other air assets, to control searches, seizures, arrests, or other similar direct law enforcement activity, to seek support from any non-DCNG National Guard units. At all times, the DCNG will remain under the operational and administrative command and control of the commanding general of the DCNG, who reports to the Secretary of Defense through the Secretary of the Army. You may employ the DCNG Quick Reaction Force, QRF, only as a last resort and in response to a request from an appropriate civil authority. If the QRF is so employed, DCNG personnel will be clearly marked and or distinguished from civilian law enforcement personnel, and you will notify me immediately upon your authorization. And it was signed, Christopher C. Miller, acting. That's end quote. So, <laughs> so the District of Columbia, the Capitol Police, and all of these agencies, I'm sure, work together frequently. I mean, the Capitol is located in the District of Columbia. So you would expect that there would be some coordination and communication on a regular basis between the Capitol Police and the District of Columbia. It just makes sense, right? So obviously, they knew that there was the potential for a problem. And knowing that the target of this attack could very well be members of Congress, the acting Secretary of Defense pretty much <laughs> prevented the uh, uh, any any use of any any anything that could be. Um, that could help the law enforcement. They can't be issued weapons, ammunition, bayonets, batons, or ballistic protection equipment, such as helmets and body armor. They can't even have helmets. What the heck? They're not allowed to interact physically with protesters unless they're attacked or they see someone else being attacked. They can't employ any riot control agents. We're going to have a riot, but we don't want any anybody there that uh, knows about riots or controlling riots. Uh, they can't share equipment with law enforcement agencies. They cannot use intelligence, surveillance, or recognizance assets, and they can't 
conduct, conduct incident awareness or assessment activities. They can't use helicopters or any other air assets. And they're not permitted to conduct searches or seizures. They can't arrest anyone or have any other similar direct law enforcement activity. And they can't seek support from any non-DCNG National Guard units. So in other words, the National Guard in, in neighboring areas, you know, like in Maryland, no, can't use them. Does this seem suspicious to you? Because it really does to me. It seems highly suspicious. Why would the acting Secretary of Defense put so many prohibitions on so many areas where the U.S. Capitol is expected or the potential is very real? There's a lot of intelligence that says there's people coming, they're mad, they are the kind of people that usually turn to violence or, or, or they're at least inclined to be violent. And yet we're going to stymie you from <laughs> doing almost anything. Seriously? So let's take a look at who this Christopher Miller is exactly. Okay. Uh, Miller served in the military from 1983 through 2014. He uh, was just an enlisted infantry, infantry man in the Army Reserve. And then he commissioned as a second lieutenant in 1987 through the ROTC. He joined Special Forces in 1993. He became a major. And he served as a company commander for the 5th Special Forces Group during the invasion of Afghanistan. You know, that's the um, illegal war that uh, George W. Bush lied in order to start. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was the, uh, the company commander and... Um, he was part of the Quick Reaction Force, and uh, th that was after ODA uh, 574, which is an Operational Detachment Alpha. Uh, 574 is what that stands for. And uh, they were attacked and hit by a joint uh, direct attack munition, which is a, what they call a JDAM, in a friendly fire incident. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, um, over his career in the Army, Miller was deployed several times to Afghanistan and to Iraq, and in Iraq, he commanded Special Forces units in 2006 and 2007, and he was promoted to Colonel in December of 2009. He was a, he was a program executive officer for rotary wing, rotary wing programs at U.S. Special Operations Command in 2010. And one of his last assignments while he was an officer in the Army was his director for special operations and irregular warfare in the office of the Assistant Secretary for Defense of Defense for Special Operations, Low Intensity, Conflict, and Interdependent Capabilities at the Pentagon. That was in 2011. You're going to have to have a big business card for that one, aren't you? 
so he had a civilian career and uh he uh then he became the acting secretary of defense and this is kind of where things begin to um make you wonder where his loyalties truly lie because on december 18th 2020 this was well after the november election everybody knew at that point that donald trump had lost he was a big loser just like he lost in 2016 but this time he also lost the electoral college so he was on his way out he was a lame duck and Joe Biden was the incumbent, you know, president to be. So Miller, as his, in his capacity as the acting secretary of defense, ordered the Pentagon to postpone 40 meetings with the incoming Joe Biden administration and to wait until after January 1st, 2021 to hold these meetings. At the time, Miller said that this decision was mutually agreed upon between him and the Biden transmission transition team because of the holiday. It was just a holiday pause. Problem is, the Biden administration said, uh, yeah, no such agreement had been made. No. Now, at this point, Donald Trump was refusing to concede the election. And that happened about the same time as Miller's decision to not provide information uh, or to have meetings with the incoming Biden administration. So did his loyalties lie with Donald Trump or did they lie with Joe Biden? Because keep in mind at this point, there was no evidence of any election fraud at all. The election had been audited. It had been hand counted. People were already looking at it multiple times and they weren't finding any evidence that there was anything at all strange going on with the election. So why did he delay? Why did and why did he apparently allegedly lie about it? Then on uh, January 3rd, 2021, every living former defense secretary signed a letter which they released to the public. And in that letter, they expressed their concern about the potential for a military coup to overturn the election results. And the letter contained a warning to public officials and mentioned Christopher Miller specifically that they would all face grave consequences if they violated the Constitution. As a reminder, this is not constitutional, this stuff that's going on here. And that very same day, Donald Trump had a chat with uh, Miller 
And Miller talked about it under testimony to the House Committee on Oversight and Reform in May of 2021. They had a hearing when they were looking into the January 6th riots. And Miller said that he told Trump that uh, the mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, had uh, put in a request for unarmed personnel to reinforce local law enforcement. And he said that Trump responded to that with, quote, fill it and do whatever was necessary to protect the demonstrators that were executing their constitutionally protected rights, end quote. Okay. On January 5th, Miller issued orders. We know that it was actually put out on the 4th of January, but I guess not everybody got it maybe till the next day. Anyway, it was the day before um, Miller issued orders which prohibited deploying the D.C. Guard. If, if they were deployed, they couldn't have any weapons. They couldn't have anything. All the stuff that we talked about earlier. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. So um, that very same day, the Secretary of the Army, a guy by the name of Ryan McCarthy, um, no relation to Kevin, I hope. I don't believe he has any relation to Kevin. Um, uh, the Secretary of the Army issued a memo placing limits on the District of Columbia National Guard. And uh, the commanding general of the D.C. National Guard, Major General William J. Walker, said, quote, all military commanders normally have immediate response authority to protect life property and, in my case, federal functions, federal property, and life. But in this instance, I did not have that authority, end quote. So this was a... <laughs> This, this was not normal protocol. This was not normal procedures. This was a departure from what the normal procedures would have been. And it was due to the acting Secretary of Defense. So naturally, people began to wonder what the motivation was behind Miller's actions. We all know that uh, rioters showed up in pretty big numbers and that they breached the perimeter that the Capitol Police had set up. Remember, the, the U.S. Capitol was closed to the public on that day. Not necessarily because of anything that was going on with Congress, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The U.S. Capitol had been closed to the public for a while. So... Anybody that was on the Capitol grounds past those, um, the perimeters that were set up by the Capitol Police were, were trespassing, okay? That's illegal. Trespassing on federal property. We all saw what happened live on television. We saw it. And yet for more than three hours, Miller did nothing. Three hours. Three hours of vandalism, beating up 
abusing of law enforcement officers that were trying to do their jobs. And then finally, finally, after more than three hours of watching this on TV live, Miller authorized that the National Guard could be deployed. It was 4.32 p.m. when that authorization was made. And at that point, there were already reinforcements from Virginia that had entered the district. Donald Trump, after intense urging from everyone, went on television and very reluctantly instructed his rioters to go home. Miller's response was that he was concerned that uh, he didn't want to have a repeat of what happened with the Kent State shootings in 1970. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> seems to me that when things like this happen, if you can get to them quickly and stop them before they get too out of hand, maybe that's a better situation. Maybe if they had stopped the rioters before they broke the windows and the doors of the U.S. Capitol and went inside and caused millions of dollars of damage to the Capitol, maybe that would have uh, been uh, preferential to sitting there and watching it on TV for over three hours before you decide to do anything. So, later on, Miller testifying under oath to the United States House Select Committee on the January 6th attack confirmed that uh, President Donald Trump told him he should give D.C. Mayor Bowser any support she requested, and Trump guessed that they would need 10,000 troops on January 6th to contain the pro-Trump protesters. And uh, Miller uh, said that Trump never gave him a formal order to have those 10,000 troops ready to be deployed on that day. His quote was, quote, I, nev I was never given any direction or order or knew of any plans of that nature. There was no direct, there was no order from the president, end quote. Miller said uh, during his testimony that he never spoke with Trump at any time on January 6th while the Capitol was being attacked, and he said that he didn't really need to talk to Trump because he had all the authority that he needed and that he knew what had to happen more than three hours after the fact. So um, Miller said that the, uh, the um, theory or the belief uh, from some that the... Um, Pentagon dragged their feet in protecting the Capitol, said that that was uh, basically complete horse shirt without the R. So, does that make sense to you? Does any of this make sense to you? Does any of this sound like all of the money that we spend as taxpayers to provide protection to ourselves and to our country and our facilities, 
does it sound like there was just a complete huge failure or does it sound like some of this just maybe was planned? Earlier, I mentioned the Capitol Police had an investigation. The Inspector General held an investigation. And in that report, the Inspector General found that the Department of Homeland Security had also issued a warning to the Capitol Police in the days before the January 6th attack. And in this warning from the Department of Homeland Security, the the Department of Homeland Security said that it had indeed identified a map of the U.S. Capitol's tunnel system on message boards where Trump supporters congregated. Also, the report found that an FBI field office located in Norfolk, Virginia, had warned the Capitol Police. This is what is known as the, quote, Norfolk Memo, end quote. And it stated, quote, an online thread discussed specific calls for violence stating, this is the quote that they found, be ready to fight, Congress needs to hear glass breaking, doors being kicked in, and blood from their BLM and Pantifa, which is a euphemism for Antifa. Slave soldier being spilled. Get violent. Stop calling this a march or rally or a protest. Go there ready for war. We get our president or we die. Nothing else will achieve this goal. End quote. Antifa, of course, is a non-entity. It doesn't exist. <laughs> there is no organization known as Antifa. They don't have a headquarters. They don't have a website. They don't have a phone number. They don't have meetings. There's no such thing. Antifa simply stands for anti-fascist. And if you are an American, if you are a patriot, you should be Antifa. Because democracy and fascism don't work together. So, <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a lot of stuff here to think about. How could so many governmental entities that have a responsibility or a role of protecting the country, protecting the American people, fail so amazingly. I remember sitting on the sofa in my family room watching the Capitol terrorist attack, the domestic terrorist attack on our U.S. Capitol live on television. I was watching MSNBC. That didn't look like a protest to me. That was an attack. I don't know that I would call it a riot. People were injured. A lot of people had to go to the hospital. Some of the people who were injured still suffer 
with chronic issues because of what happened to them that day. And yeah, people died that day. People who would probably still be alive had it not been for the fact that they were there that day. And that includes people who were Trumpers and people who were there in law enforcement trying to do their job to protect the Capitol and the people in the Capitol. Do you get the feeling that there might be more to this story than we know? And I have a question. Because Christopher Miller seems to be involved in this, seems to be on Trump's side more than on the side of the Constitution of the United States of America, is he being investigated? Have his connections and his contacts been investigated? Because it seems to me that there's something more there. It just, you know, you get those feelings. What is it? Spidey sense or whatever. You just get that feeling that we don't really have the complete story and that there's more to it. I kind of look at this investigation as a puzzle. I know that people have said it's like a, it's like a map. You, you start off and you find one thing and you go there and you look to see if it's verified. And once it's verified, you start following the roads to the next event or the next location or whatever, the next person. And before you know it, you've got like a big map. It's all interconnected. I kind of look at it as puzzles. You know, when you're doing a puzzle, I usually start off, I find all of the, the pieces that have a straight edge on one side or on two sides. If you find the, the ones with two sides, you know that's corners. And I find that helpful. So sort all of the, the pieces out with the with the straight edges. And then you start sorting them by colors or patterns or something like that. And then you start building it. And sometimes you have these little pieces off to the side where you found pieces that are like obviously have a color in common or a pattern in common and you think that they go together and you, and you start putting them together but you can't fit them into the big piece yet because you've got to fill in other little pieces to get to that slot and i kind of think that that's the way this investigation is going i think that they have a lot of puzzle pieces put together off to the side but they haven't put them in to the big piece yet because if they're not ready. They're still putting in little pieces here and there, filling in little holes. And I kind of feel like somewhere there's a slot where we're going to hear more about Miller. I just, I just get that feeling. And something came up earlier this week on the Tom Hartman program. And I'd like to talk to you about that next because Tom has a, I don't know if you would call it a suspicion. I don't remember how he worded it. It was just something that he, something that's kind of gnawing at him and he's kind of has this feeling that there might be some truth there, but he doesn't have the evidence to prove it yet. But he's mentioned it a few times on his program, and I'd like to talk to you about that next.
let me try to assemble the rest of this puzzle at least as much as I can for you. So I think most of us know pretty well what happened in the final days of the Trump administration or misadministration. We've all heard about the false electors now. We've all heard about, you know, Trump was sitting in the dining room off of the Oval Office watching stuff on TV when things didn't go his way. He threw ketchup on the wall or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, there was a lot of intelligence, a lot of information prior to January 6th, 2021, to indicate to all of the officials, every agency, whether it's the FBI, the CIA, the you know Secret Service, uh, Department of Homeland Security, National Guard people, Pentagon, everybody had information that indicated there could very well be some violence. These people were inclined toward violence. And in their posts, they talked about blood. Isn't that a threat? Is it not illegal to threaten members of Congress with violence or harming them? Yet, none of them felt like they needed to do anything extra really that day. And then you have the acting Secretary of Defense come out with a memo saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this either, you can't do that either, you can't do this. Really? I would have expected a memo that would have said, we need to remember our place. The military is not supposed to uh, get involved in things like this. We need to be aware of our public, um, the impression of the public that the military is coming out to, <laughs> um, I guess, control citizens. I don't know. I would have expected that someone in his position would have said, we need to do what we have to do to protect uh, the lives of the people in the U.S. Capitol and the law enforcement people who are there, property, the protesters themselves use, um, <laughs> you know, be restrained as much as possible. Let's not let this, you know, we don't want to see National Guard um, troops shooting protesters on TV. We don't want a repeat of Kent State. I don't know. I would have expected a different response than you can't do this, you can't do that. But uh, let's not forget, because of the fact that there was a delay and certainly Christopher Memo, Christopher Miller's memorandum is responsible for part of that. But they had a gallows sitting out on the U.S. Capitol grounds. And within short a short amount of time, it was pretty obvious that this was going to be nasty if they didn't do something about it. But they waited over three hours. It's over three hours before anybody really did much. And let's not forget they were screaming 
to hang Pence. They were looking for Nancy Pelosi. They they were going to they I think that they were planning to kill. They were truly planning to kill some of these people. If they could have gotten their hands on Mike Pence, heaven forbid, I'm not a fan of his, but uh, I don't want anything like that to happen to him. Nancy Pelosi, she's not my favorite person either, but you know, she was the Speaker of the House at the time. She's an important person and uh, she deserves to be protected. It's wrong to threaten those people. You can disagree with them. I guess you could probably call them names if you want to. You have a right to your opinion, but you don't have the right to threaten them or incite violence toward them or anybody else. But it's important to remember that this could have gotten out of hand even worse than it did very, very, very easily. I think we came pretty close. When Pence left, it was just seconds away from these folks finding him. And who knows if their secret ser- if his Secret Service people could have protected him, there probably would have been some shots fired at that point. Um, but here's the deal. We know, or we, we feel like Trump wanted to stage a coup. He wanted to find a way to prevent Joe Biden from rightfully taking his position as the president of the United States. He wanted to defy the will of the American people defy the voters of the country, and he wanted to install himself again into the office of the President of the United States for another four-year term, and probably during that period of time, do away with democracy so that he could become an authoritarian or fascist dictator. And, you know, uh, he had good reason to do all of those things because he was trying to evade um, all of the things that were coming after him. If you're president, you can just kind of make things go away apparently in this country because uh, even though they say no one is above the law, people who have done the same things that Donald Trump has been accused of didn't get to wander around having rallies and flying all over the country collecting donations for their legal support. They were in prison. They were locked up. They were in jail. So why isn't he? It's because there are two levels of justice in this country. If you're rich and powerful, you have one level of justice. And if you're an ordinary American citizen, there's another. And that's wrong. And you hear Trumpers and his supporters talking about, oh, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. They're, you know, being, they're being, they're being hard on Trump. No, they're not. They're treating him with kid gloves. They're correct. Yeah, it's a double standard. Justice, there is a double standard in this country. And the double standard is Trump is still out there walking around committing crimes. Every time he opens his mouth, he admits to something, it seems like. Maybe it would have been in his best interest to lock him up and shut him up. It'd be a relief to me not to have to see him or hear him on the news every single day or talk about him. So, thankfully, all of this stuff failed. Mike Pence did the one decent thing that he should have done uh, while he was the vice president 
because we know the rest of the time he stood by lovingly and adoringly staring at Donald Trump and allowed him to get all these things out of the way, some of them illegal things. Just, oh yeah. But this was just a step too far for him, and, and thank goodness for that. But, uh, you know, uh, there were other things that could have happened or should have happened, and he waited to write about it in a book so he could profit off of it. And I think that's scummy, and it's not patriotic. And he will never be president, thank goodness. So, what's the plan now? It's pretty obvious that Donald Trump, once all of this stuff started coming out and being investigated, it's pretty obvious the reason that Donald Trump announced he was going to run for the presidency again was to, in the hopes that he would evade being indicted. Somebody mentioned that. I heard on uh, the news or on a podcast earlier today, somebody said that Trump had, had indicated that the reason he started to uh, announce his candidacy for the presidency as early as he did was because he thought it would perhaps prevent all of these indictments from coming down. So let me get back to Tom Hartman and his theory or his suspicions. Right now, there is a senator, a Republican senator from Alabama by the name of Tommy Tuberville. And right now, he has put a hold on approving military nominations and promotions. The Pentagon has said that this hold, this blanket hold of Tuberville's, is just one senator, and this is a Senate rule that has been allowed to go on, even though it's been abused to some level. I understand in some situations there's a need for it, but I think the original reason for it was because communications were not available so that senators would know what was going on in other states back, you know, many years ago in the early years of our country. So they wanted a senator from that area if, if there was a nomination or if there was legislation or something going on that looked good maybe to the rest of the senators, the home senator could come up and say, I'm going to put a hold on this because I actually know this person or I know what's going on here and this is not a good deal and we need to talk about it or something of that nature. But anyway, apparently there are already more than 260 nominations of senior officers that have been stalled out. And as people leave and retire and all of that, they're predicting it's very possible there could be as many as 650 positions that need to be taken care of by the end of the year. Now, Tuberville, or Tuberville, I'm not sure how what the correct pronunciation is, and I really don't care. I find him to be an offensive little man. He's a racist. He's a former college football coach. And he is a Trump lover. And um, 
despite the fact that Democrats have tried to go to the floor of the Senate and to call up nominations, Tuberville continues to object to them. And he is saying that he's doing this. This is the reason that he's given. It's because he wants the Pentagon to change its policies on abortion. And the deal is, if a service member, could be a female, of course, is pregnant, has a problem pregnancy, and she happens to be located in a state where they have hateful anti-women, uh, anti-woman legislation in place, where if a problem develops during that pregnancy where the <laughs> there's no head or there's no lungs or the um, fetus, embryo, whatever, dies and starts to basically rot inside the mother, which can cause all kinds of problems, obviously. There are some situations where a pregnant woman can have issues related to the pregnancy that can affect her health and, and could end her life. And the recommended procedure is an abortion. That's the recommended medical procedure in some instances. But in these states that are run by Republicans, they don't allow that. They don't care if the mother dies, apparently. They don't care if the mother dies because she's got a dead fetus. If there's evidence that there's no brain or whatever, if they can hear a heartbeat, well, you know, it might live for two seconds after it's born. If it's not viable, they don't seem to care. So the policy is that the Pentagon will transfer, will, will provide transportation for these women to go to another state so that they can get the recommended proper medical care. And, you know, if you happen to be a man and you're in the service and your wife is pregnant, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're going to take care of it. Tuberville doesn't like this. He wants them to stay in the state where they are currently based and suffer, apparently, and die, if the case be. Nice guy, right? So, there is a process where the Democrats could bring every nominee to the Senate floor for a vote. And to do that, that would, of course, tie up the Senate for months and months and months. And um, by doing that, you know, that would kind of <laughs> put a uh, precedent on uh, Tuberville's actions. So where people who want to do, um, uh, you know, blockades, you know, of large groups of nominees in years ahead could do the same thing. Now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he's a Democrat, said that... Um, the process of holding up the promotion of military leaders, uh, many of them, most of them, have dedicated their entire lives to protecting our country. Uh, Schumer said, quote, 
is one of the most abominable and outrageous things I have ever seen in this chamber, witnessed by the fact that no one has ever had the temerity or the gall to do this before. End quote. And make no mistake about it, these some of these openings are critical positions. Other people are having to fill them. These affect families that want to know, are we, if we get, are, are we going to be promoted? Because sometimes it requires a move. Families need to plan ahead. This is not only unpatriotic and anti-American, it is completely irresponsible and disrespectful of our military service members. But this is kind of where Tom Hartman's theory kind of comes into play a bit. And, and I, I have to agree with him on this. I think he may actually have something here. He is beginning to wonder if there is another reason for Tuberville to do this. Because Tuberville is taking pressure from the Democrats and he is getting some pressure from members of his own party about this, these holds. But he's already proven that he's, his loyalties are with Donald Trump. So is this a way to hold um, certain military positions open so that very possibly in the future, if Donald Trump gets reelected or if another Republican that's MAGA gets elected, that president could then fill them and put in a bunch of toadies that will basically do whatever the president wants them to do. So next time something comes up where there's some sort of an insurrection or something like that, the president can tell these military people, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm tired of this. We're going to just, uh, you know, we're going to get away, get get rid of democracy, and I'm just going to, I'm going to just be the leader from now on. We're going to do away with all of this, and uh, you go along with me, and I'll give you big promotions and big salary increases, and you'll have it made. Is it possible? possible? Um, again, let me refer you back to the Acting Secretary of Defense's memorandum. Things could have turned out very differently if that memorandum had either not been issued or if it had said, you know, do what you need to do, exercise restraint wherever possible. We don't want violence and we don't want images on TV of National Guard troops shooting American citizens on the Capitol grounds, okay? I think that would get the point across. So, anyway, if you haven't listened to Tom Hartman's um, podcast, I listen to his podcast every day. Uh, he publishes things online as well. He has a, he has a blog. Um, he... Um, He's on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure you can find it. His, I think his theory is one that is very concerning. 
and I think there's a lot of validity to why he feels the way he does. It, it certainly does seem to offer a potential um, piece to the puzzle, you know, piece that you could kind of fill in at some point. So anyway, on that note, I think I have gone long enough, and I'm going to thank you again for your time. Appreciate it very much. The next scheduled episode will be tomorrow, if I can get everything together again. Um, I <laughs> I continue to have issues. I'm really trying hard to set aside time to do these, but it does take time to do it because I have to do research and I, I try to stay up on everything, but it does require some time to go back and make sure that the things I'm telling you are correct because I don't want to provide any information that is not accurate, although sometimes mistakes happen, but I try to correct them whenever they're brought to my attention. And we have enough bad information out there, misleading information, so we don't need anybody else contributing to it. But we all need to be paying attention to what's going on. And there's a lot of things that we need to be doing right now and continue to do those things between now and November of 2024 so that we can protect our democracy and hopefully make this country a fairer, fairer equal, more equal place for everyone and get rid of these people that are passing laws that um, allow discrimination of certain people that they don't like, banning books that they don't like, there's just so many crazy things going on, and many of these things do harken back to the uh, Hitler regime in Nazi Germany, and I know that a lot of people get angry about that, but some of the things that are happening right now that the Republicans are, are doing are the same things that were happening back in Germany in the 1930s, and the German people were like, hmm, okay, well, all right. We can't make that mistake this time, okay? We can't do the same thing that the Germans did. We've got to put a stop to it. And on that, I'm going to let you go. I hope you have a great Sunday evening. Uh, it's probably going to be late on Sunday before this gets distributed. Um, the last couple of episodes actually got out there pretty quick. I don't know if they fixed something, but I don't know. Anyway... I never know when you're going to get it, depending on the platform that you subscribe to or which app you use to get your podcasts, but I appreciate your time very much, and it may be Monday by the time you hear this, and hopefully I will be working on another podcast, actually recording another podcast for you. Thank you again. Have a great Sunday evening and a good day tomorrow, unless you have other plans. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week.